This is The One Podcast with Andy Murphy and Gavin Jones. Gavin Jones, how are you? I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing. Darren Proctor there on our thing. Darren Proctor, the absolute legend who again has pulled it out of the bag and done our voiceover for our new podcast, which is called This Is The One. Terribly excited. He's a legend. I sent him a little message to thank him and he got back to me straight away. No way, did he? Yeah, I've got friends who don't even get back to me straight away. Do you know what I mean, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> That's an intro and a half, isn't it? <laughs> so we're not on our own again. It's great, isn't it? We've got a very special guest with us this morning. If you want to introduce our guest. Um, I am I'm really excited about this because um, we have a Hollywood star with us. Oh, come on. Well, that, well, for people who don't know you, you're a Hollywood star. Oh, that's very nice. A star of uh, TV and film. And um, we're really excited. Welcome, Chris Gear. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is, uh, this is lovely. And congrats, boys. This is, uh, thank this you. is fun. Well, f- first of all, thank you for doing this, because it's a, a bit of a big ask, really, on a, on a cold, wet morning to come and it's talk to It's a wonderful to thing to do pre-Christmas, to have a chat with my mates about music and fun stuff like that. It, it does feel a bit like Christmas, doesn't it, with, with the decorations? Well, we're in the, we're in the gear household, and the, the trees are up, and it, at the time of recording, it's the uh, 17th of August, so well done for that. <laughs> hey, listen, as soon as Halloween's over, get that tree up, you know what I mean? Lovely. So where should we start? I know you've got loads of questions to ask, Chris. I've got a couple of things to ask as well. So I think probably best to start at the beginning, really, Chris. Mm -hmm. Where did it all start for you? Um, Where did it all start? Uh, Right, well, my mum and dad were uh, in love. No, no, no. I think I mean how did you become an actor how did you get into acting do you know what I was never I was never going to do it I was always going to be some sort of I wanted to be an artist or a graphic designer or something like that and um, you were very arty as a kid I was very arty I was always um, always trying to do the creative things but I had a lot of energy an awful lot of energy and I was I remember I was mucking around in the playground and uh, a teacher spotted me and she was like rather than showing off and doing all these impressions in front of your mates and everything, why don't you put that energy to good use and audition for the school play, which I did at the time and got the role in Midsummer Night's Dream, I remember, when I was about 12 years old. And, what um, part in Midsummer I was Bottom. Right, okay. Yeah, Bottom, the, uh, the, the donkey. Um, <laughs> in, uh, yeah, it kind of started It's not like the fool in King Lear. Yeah, don't make Bottoms kind of the yeah, he's the he's the comedy role, but they, um, Shakespeare always has those sort of characters, don't yeah. yeah, yeah. And um um yeah, I mean I think I kind of got the bug then and, and then uh, kept kept doing it and then auditioned for drama school and auditioned for um uh, for university as well. And I kind of had the choice between doing what I really wanted to do or doing something sensible. So you know, it was a huge risk going into acting. I mean, there's so many actors in the world and, and um, you know, to, to be lucky enough to still do it now, I feel very grateful. Who told you not to do it? I think many people in, in, in Britain... Especially, I mean, we're, oh, we're, the we're, Brits are the terrible Brits, for that. The Brits are kind of like, you've got a dream? No, you will it. not follow your this dream. Is, this is what I find very funny. I mean, having luckily um, worked in America quite a lot in the last last decade, uh, the, the big thing I've noticed is that in America, they're like, you're so special. And over here, it's like, what's so special about you? <laughs> So that, then you 
you know, it's, uh, but I love it. I love that kind of British kind of half glass empty kind of, <laughs> yeah. well, you, you probably won't be able to do that, but why don't you give it a go? And so I, I thought, you know, I could, I could play it safe or I could go and risk everything on, uh, on what I love doing. And it's, you know, touch wood. It's, it's, it's. I'm really enjoying it. It is a very British attitude to have that, isn't it? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Whatever, mate. You crack up with the Americans, embrace it, and go for it. And it's the American dream. Yeah. 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 And you're kind of living the American dream at the minute, or, or nearly there. Mm, yeah. I mean, I had a wonderful five years on a show called You're the Worst, which is in uh, on FX, and it was just the most incredible experience. And it's it's uh, led on to other things. I've just finished an arc on Modern Family, and um, which was just outstanding to work on. It's such a great show, full of history and. And, um, you know, they've done 11 seasons now. So to be a part of that, it's kind of like being a part of Friends. Well, I was going to say it's in America. I don't know how Modern Family's seen it, but in America, that's Friends has taken over. It's the new thing. It has been in the top five uh, comedies of, of, of the last decade. Um, and it's yeah, it was a huge privilege to go and work on that. So uh, that was great. And then um, and then uh, Detective Pikachu, which is the uh, the world of um, Pokemon, and uh, I play one of the uh, one of the villains in the that. Villains. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was fantastic. It was really great. And also, it was a nice opportunity to do something that uh, my son can watch. Well, no, yeah, because the majority of things that I've done not necessarily uh, appropriate for a no, seven-year-old. He doesn't want to be watching Jimmy at all, really, does he? <laughs> no. Uh, so great role was model. Great. So it was great doing it. You know, they're doing a lot of live-action movies at the moment. Um, you know, Aladdin and uh, and um, Little Mermaid's just being made and stuff. So to be to Are do they something doing like that, that whole thing now, like they're going back through and they're going to redo every yeah, Disney film. Um, Interesting. I know there's uh, yeah there's. Little Mermaid coming out. Aladdin's just come out. They're doing Lady Lion King. The, Lion King. Lady and the Tramp. Right. Really? They yeah. Good? So, yeah. Um, okay. you know, it's a bit of a kind of resurgence of old movies, but with new technology. So, so how is modern filming these days? Do you actually be on a set or is it all green screen? Is, is it a real world? Or? There's, a, there's a mixture of, um, I mean, Detective Pikachu was... was eye-opening in so many ways. I mean, not, not only the scale of the budget and the production which wasn't something that I was necessarily used to. Um, it was just the pace, the pace of things, how it, it's so specific to get uh, to, to get the shots and the, the green screen right and being true to the Pokemon universe as well was, um, uh, was time-consuming as opposed to Modern Family where we'd shoot 15 pages before lunch. Right. So, wow. you've, you know, with Pokemon you're doing maybe two pages a day Right, and that's it. So, is that kind of soul destroying? No, it's 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 quite demanding on your energy because you need to be peak energy when they roll cameras. But I, re- I remember being being on set for Detective Pikachu, wearing this like really nice suit, this gorgeous kind of Tom Ford suit and three piece, and I had a tie clip, and my hair was looking all great, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> Step onto set for rehearsal at um, nine o'clock in the morning, I'm there with Bill Nye, and I'm like, oh, this is, this is amazing. And then they go, right, okay, now we've done the rehearsal, um, can you go and um, just wait in the green room, and um, we'll set up the lights and, and the green screen. Cut to 5 p.m. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you spent all day in the green room going, well, they need to get everything right. So 
you know, my, my tie's all over the place, and my hair's all like knackered, I've had a sleep, you know. <laughs> so You've they, got Greg's pasty in your beard and stuff. That's it. And then they, they bring you back on, you have to be like bang on it again. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those those kind of, th- it's it's just a different discipline mm. working on a movie. That must be quite gruelling, that isn't it? A five-hour gap in between getting into character, getting ready for the role, and then... You have yeah. to do nothing for five hours, which yes. slows your whole body down and your, your mental state. And exactly. And then they go, right, well, now run the 100-meter race. Yeah. And you, you've you just got to be there. So, yeah, I'm not saying it's rocket science or anything, but it is demanding on your, um, you know, I don't have the... the men, attention. I don't have the... <laughs> yeah, I don't have the attention to... Yeah, I'm a, I'm a guy at the end of the day. I'm like, <laughs> oh, what's going on over there? <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I, I can't. I, I try and keep myself occupied. I'm writing at the moment, uh, writing a sitcom with a good friend of mine, and um, just can we talk about that at all at some stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can um, we talk about that? Well, we Let's... can. I mean, it's it's um, it's kind of mid development at the moment. So this but, is the concept you told me when we were outside. Yeah, we. Um, yeah, I, I mean. It's not completely finished, so I don't want to. I tell you what, I'd love to come back and talk about it again when we're when we're fully Yeah, that would be amazing. Ooh. But um, can you give us an indication of roughly what it's like? Or yes, it's a um, it's it's something that's very very serious, and there is there's an element of if we don't laugh, we'll cry, right. and there is uh, there's there's we, we're in a broken world at the moment, mm. and a lot of it's surrounding. Um, different kind of conditions and I we are looking into that condition and trying to make light of it to hopefully understand it sounds exciting I I remember you telling me and we go I was thinking yeah that's a winner that definitely absolutely I am very proud of it you've um you've sort of preempted one of me one of my um one of my questions I I mean obviously I've done a bit of research um, and I didn't realise how much. Is it work. on my famous uh, chili recipe? <laughs> no, that's a closely guarded secret. <laughs> no, but that's on my list. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I didn't realise how much stuff you'd done going mm. through the list. Busy boy, yeah. Um, so I mean, one of the things I wanted to ask you: you've done TV and film mm-hmm. now, and I wanted to ask you which you prefer and, and why. Because I mean, you, you, if you go back, you've done Casualty in the Bill, which I'm guessing oh, is the they, rite of passage of any it actor. Totally is. <laughs> as soon as you get, uh, I, I remember getting that first call of they they like you to do the the episode of the Bill, and I'm like, yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, that was that was hard. That was more important to me than going onto a soap. That was that was like. Because the bill wasn't really a soap, but it was so, it was so popular, and everyone had done it. And when I got the call up to do the bill for the second time, (laughs) that was the right different character, different character. See, that's amazing. That's cool. Uh, And they have this rule that that you can't go back uh, within two years. But after two years. Cut your hair, play a different guy. I was going to say, did you look completely different? Yeah, I was playing a a drug dealer in the second one. And uh, in the first one, I was a a student or something. And I was like, oh, this is great. Um, I think all of those, the early, the first five years of um, my career were thankfully full of guest stars on everything. So I got to to work on... um, Everything from soaps and bill type, the bill type things to long-running TV shows. And what I noticed is that 
again the pace the pace on set because with soaps and everything they they have a limited amount of time to shoot what they need to shoot so you have to be on it yeah they have to knock them out like yeah, yeah, yeah week in, week you're, out. you're you're um you know you have to do 15 pages before lunch so you you have to be on your game as opposed to film uh which is a lot slower so i prefer my i think my energy lends itself more to tv so having yeah. said that though i mean maybe i, I mean I, if you look back in the film history like they knocked Rocky out in about 22 days or something mm -hmm. so in that environment a lot of the stuff was just one take because they just didn't have the money whereas mm -hmm. your experience of film is probably a bit bigger budget where they've got more time so. yeah I remember doing um, After Earth with uh, Will Smith clang, clang. Oh, let, me clang. Pick it up. let me pick it up there <laughs> Do oh, it, yes. do oh, it, yes. drop him, yes. drop them, man. I was already pre-clanging myself there. Was okay. <laughs> but um, that was that was super surreal because I'd done, um, I'd done, you know, movies before. I think I've done like fifteen movies now or something, and and that was that was the real game changer. I think without that experience, I would have been overwhelmed by Pokemon. Uh, uh, right. So yeah. because that was, you know, they they built a spaceship inside a a warehouse where we were filming. That was mind blowing to me, and um, you know everything was green screen. I'd never seen green screen before. Um, actually worked with it, and you, you literally are following a tennis ball around the room, pretending it's an Crazy, asteroid. Mad, it? um, and you know, the, yeah, and you're and you're next to uh, <laughs> you're next to Will Smith. It's very surreal. So, so just on that, just to sort of digress a little bit, I wanted to, I want the inside scoop on auditions. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so almost, almost from birth to getting the part and not getting yeah. the part. How you know you've got an agent? I'm guessing so they call you. How does it work the audition? I've got, I've got this thing that you know. How does that process work? Yeah, I think the and uh, has it changed as your career has progressed? Yes, that's the completely, thing yeah. and it's changed uh, in that uh, it's it's a level of fear that I had when I first started. A fear that you had to. It was like like a date, and you're trying to find love, yeah. right? And um, and then you realise, oh, this person's not really for me. That's what the audition process is like. Wow. So you go in and you're like, I really want to be perfect here. And I wanted everyone to love me all the time. When I first started, I was like, I have to please let me do this job. Please let me do this job. And what I've learned over the years is reversing it a little bit to, do I want to do this? Do I want to spend this time with these people on this project and so now I have a wonderful team and we talk together to find that project that will will make us all excited to do it um, and um, I don't I don't mind waiting for for the right thing to come along because those first five years they were great but you know I did a couple of terrible terrible things because a you have to pay the bills yep. and and b you know you you've got to progress your career so I remember doing the Royal Shakespeare Company, incredible, and then I did a panty liner commercial all in the same year. I've not seen the panty liner. It's on oh. video. Do you know, it was weird. I was, I was, um, were, you uh, roll, were you roller skating in it now? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Horse riding. It was, was uh, all day's panty liner, right? And we're on a, uh, we're Googling, on a ship. Googling that later. I don't think it's on Google. I've just got it on v VHS. And uh, <laughs> I'm playing a sailor. 
on a boat. Of course right? you are. And uh, there's other sailors there. And we're all waving. We're waving our girlfriends goodbye as we go off on our um, sail. Um, and um, and uh, the, the girls, uh, one of the girls throws up a pair of knickers to the guy next to me. And he goes, he shows off. He's like, ooh, look, my girlfriend's throwing these knickers. At the time, I thought, this is ridiculous. Now, telling you now, it's... It's absurd. Um, and so another guy gets a pair of knickers as well. And then I get thrown up a, a, a sock instead. And I'm like, mm, this is a bit confusing. I've got a sock like that. And then the caption comes up, all day's panty liner. So comfortable, you won't want to take your knickers off. It's genius. You know? Genius. What? It's wow. It's all that about. Genius. Very surreal. Yeah. And at the time, I'm like, I would love to be a part of this project. <laughs> On a ship, of course sailors, you are. Yeah. You're 21. You've got to do. You've got to do everything, and that's it's brilliant. But you know, we live. We live. Uh, it's tricky now because one. I genuinely believe one wrong decision affects everything. So, as much as I would love to just keep working, doing doing different things, and trying different stuff out, I have to be quite careful. Yeah, I get that. Mm. You know, if you go and do something that isn't necessarily the right move, it could set you back Absolutely, quite a lot. Yeah. And I, yeah. you get typecast as well. Yes, exactly. And we, yeah, we do. And, and how brutal are auditions? Are they like you see on TV? It's a room, one person behind the desk. You come in. After four words, they go yes or no. Yeah, it's not as brutal as that. I mean, the, the, it's um, it's I I think of it now. This is the this difference. When I first started, it was speed dating, full of fear, trying to prove myself, justify my position as a human being. That's how I felt when I was coming in. I was yeah. petrified. Now I think of every audition as the first day of work. So whether I get it or not, I want to. Think how what can I bring to the table? What can I get from other people? Can we work on things in the room? And I actually ask questions about the script, about the character, see whether you can develop it in the room there and see whether you all want to work together. And that's um, I think that's, that's far more creative process and it, I'm not I'm not scared of it anymore. I just I find it all very really, really exciting to I remember it's a good approach that yeah. back in the day when before, you know, certain things happen to you you would say oh I've just been for an audition for a film mm. and you you'd be kind of waiting by the phone you'd be that that sort of thing yeah. early on in your career Absolutely. and then you go um yeah I got down to the last two and Orlando Bloom got it yeah yeah and that was an actual thing the, whereas I remember very specifically you telling me I don't look at things like that anymore I go for an no. audition I do my best then if I get it I, I get it absolutely and, get it. and I have to do that yeah. because otherwise you drive yourself nuts well yeah. you would of course you, you would yeah you become quite bitter as well and I just think you know I feel very lucky to do this job and I don't want to, it to be taken up with the energy of being resentful or bitter or anything there are a lot of fantastic actors out there and casting directors are so good these days that if I don't get a role that I believe I could be right for there's got to be a reason for that it's either a look or an age or a chemistry between other people and the thing it's not just I used to go home and think oh they just think I'm terrible it's it's not that at all. It's it's because they're going literally going in a different direction. And as soon as you can start to embrace that and actually enjoy that, then you get more pumped to go for the next one. Yep. And then when you, but it is a lottery. And once you get 
you, you, your ticket comes in. It's the best feeling in the world. I can imagine, so, yeah. Imagine so get, get, getting the part that you've gone for and all the work you've put into it must be an yeah, amazing feeling. I mean, it's very kind you saying that I've done all this stuff, which is brilliant, but that is, that's, that's been the lucky outcome of a quite grueling 10 years of rejection. Yeah, oh, no, I remember. There's rejection all <laughs> over the place. And, um, you know, when, when something like You're the Worst or Modern Family comes in, then that's the reward that you get for all the times where you go, I'm not good enough, or I must have been terrible, or I'm, I'm, I'm too fat or ugly or not funny enough, and all these things. You can easily, that's, that's an obvious thing to go to, is to feel bitter or resentful. And what I'm doing, have been doing the last five years, is training myself to find it uh, just a, a challenge for the, for the next one. And am I right in saying, and that's such a healthy way of looking at it. Um, yeah. Am I right in saying that someone that you, did you go for an audition for something else, they didn't pick you, but then you got modern family off the back of that audition, the person who, uh, I'm sure yeah, I've heard the, that, the, the casting director. I don't think it was, uh, it wasn't modern family, it was, um, uh, it was another job. There's the, the last, say, like five, six jobs that I've done, have all been with people that I've worked with before, mm-hmm. which is great. I did a wonderful show for um, um, for the BBC called Ill Behaviour. Lizzie Kaplan, Tom Riley. It was excellent, really cool um, show. It was like a three-parter. And the writer of that was Sam Bain, who wrote and created Peep Show. Um, so he was there and we got on very well. And it was produced by Ian Morris, who's one of the creators of The Inbetweeners. Now... When you're together working on a, a project for four months, of course, you're going to know each other inside out by the end. It's, uh, you become great friends. And uh, Ian and I especially just got on very well. He's, he's a, our energies kind of met and they worked. So when he did his movie, which was the festival, um, then he called me up straight away, said, do you want to come do this? Brilliant. Sorry, I've still not this. seen that film. And no, I'd I've, love to I've see got it. this horrible uh, vision of, of you in the festival. Yes. I'll never, ever... <laughs> I know, ever let's not talk about that. No, let's uh, not talk about that. I said to Ian, actually, I, that I wrote him a card at the end saying, thanks for ruining my career. <laughs> um, but, um, and um, I've literally just finished a BBC Two comedy series called The First Team, which comes out in March. You've finished that. We've finished I'm really that. excited about that. Cause this obviously. is... It's brilliant. Now... Ian wrote it, uh, Ian and Damon, uh, in between his creators, they, uh, they uh, um, directed it and wrote it together. And um, it's just super funny. It's super funny. It's, it's based around the world of professional footballers, but the three guys who never got into the first team, they're just a part of the squad. So, but, so they're young, they're rich, they're talented, complete idiots. <laughs> It's like the in-betweeners set in the Premier League. It's described here as, as the misadventures of three young soccer players. Yes, yes, that is misadventures indeed. And I am the, um, I'm the the coach uh, of of the team, but he's also having some marital problems. <laughs> but so he's kind of working at the club in order to escape what's going on at home. So I have a, he's, he's great. He's called Chris Booth. Everyone calls him Boothy. Yes. Yeah, of course. Um, of course or Boothy. Boothy. <laughs> and uh, he's constantly ribbed for being a bit of a rubbish player. But the truth is, <clears throat> he had a terrible knee injury, which caused the end of his career. But 
everyone seems to remember him for for, <laughs> for being terrible for the reasons yeah yeah so um it's 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 super fun it was great working with ian again i hope to work with him again in the future so when does that when does that come out um that, i think about march april time on bbc2 okay. good look forward yeah. to seeing that because you're, you're a keen footballer, keen football oh, fan as well, yes. aren't you? Should we have a quick football chat? Yeah, 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 yeah. Should I? Should I? Not my forte, so, but go for it. I know you're Chris, a massive football Chris, fan. Chris, um, uh, I, I can never really figure out if you support anyone. No. I. Um, you've kind of adopted Man United since you've I come have to Manchester. Man, uh, yes, I'm, I think I'm very much a United fan now. And I did try and indoctrinate you in the ways you of did. Liverpool <laughs> at one point. Do you know surprised. what? Liverpool are phenomenal. I've always been a huge neutral football fan, mostly because um, my dad is a journalist and he used to write fanzines for, oh, for no clubs. I didn't know that. Yeah, he used to write fanzines for clubs. So uh, he wrote one for Aldershot called Shots in the Dark, Lad. and we, when That's I was awesome. 12 years old, I used to go and sell these uh, fanzines, or give them out actually, to people at different grounds. So we went to all these different grounds all around England when I'm 12, and so I got to see all these stadiums, and then we went to see the matches after we would give out the magazines. It was a fantastic oh. kind of like uh, introduction to the world of football. So I got to see all these different players. So... And then Dad went to move to Newcastle, just at the peak of Newcastle. So Kevin Keegan, Shearer, Ginola, you know, it was um, a crazy time. Um, Really, really exciting. So I became a Newcastle fan there. And then he moved to London. And I was like, oh, I love Tottenham now. Let's do that. (laughs) And um, so we moved around so much that I thought it would be a bit foolish not to embrace all of these clubs, mm. all of these. I different quite ones. like that. You, yeah. so you, wherever you are, you support that team. Yeah. So I suppose so you, you I'm like, doing that now as well. Yeah, exactly. That makes um, sense. I've been in Manchester you know. for yeah, a bit of a thing for years. Southampton as well. I think. Didn't well, you? Southampton were always like the the club that uh, close to my heart because that's where I was brought up around Winchester, the Southampton area. So Dad and I had season tickets. We used to go, and he he made me a stool. I was so little in the terraces and we went and stood in the terraces I remember watching like Matt Letizia Shearer again Matt Letizia when he wow. started because yes, Shearer started uh, there yeah, didn't he Francis, Francis Benali you know just these really kind of great characters in English football Johnny Barnes was playing Kevin one. Davis uh, he was at yes, Southampton before the Blackburn. Wallace brothers the, yeah Danny no, and Rod D- Danny Rodney and Ray Wallace yeah. Wow, they, uh, your knowledge of football is frightening. But th- th- yeah, and Miss so they'll always be close to my heart. United are um, a team that I love now. I get to, uh, I'm going to the match uh, this weekend. Uh, I go and see them as much as I can. Um, and also, no one's calling me a glory hunter anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you mentioned there that you've you've supported various teams because you're moving around. Mm-hmm. How has that affected you in this day and age when you now kind of live in America? Um, do you follow USA sport, American sport, basketball, or anything? I'm like trying that? to get into it. I'm trying to learn. I have some great American friends who are teaching me the rules of American football okay. and basketball and baseball and things. It's fascinating. I'll tell you what's amazing about living in uh, America and being a football fan is that all the games a are free. Are they? Yeah, they're on the on the channels that oh the terrestrial channels. terrestrial channels. And secondly, they're all on at nine o'clock in the morning. So you wake up in the morning, switch on the TV, where you'd usually watch a bit of... Good know, Morning Britain or yeah, whatever. Or yeah, or something. And you've got a Premiership game on. 
That's nine o'clock in the morning, the dream. It yeah. is the dream. It's, uh, you know. It also doesn't always work like that, though, because. Is it a time zone thing? The or? time zone thing. So there'd be, there'd be games when we're in the. Which, which way would it Champions work? League so Champions 12, League games 30, would be on at uh, twelve o'clock midday. 12 o'clock. But if you, if you had a, like a, a a morning Sunday game twelve thirty, that'd be stupid o'clock in the morning for you, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's like a five thirty. Yeah. So you'd have to really prepare. Yeah. yeah. But it's a brilliant way to start the day. You've got. A, yeah, I've got a friend who lives in New York, and he watches Manchester City. Oh, really? He has to go to the pub at like half four in the morning, you know. What a chore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, not great if you've got to go to work afterwards. No, not really. No, no. Well, we, we've mentioned America there and, and obviously doing um, auditions and filming TV shows. How do you balance your family life between, you know, uh, having kids and, and seeing them? Is that, is that a, yeah, it's, a difficult time? It's been inconsistent, but also very, very rewarding because uh, I remember when I first started doing You're the Worst, I didn't see Jen or Freddie for about 12 weeks. Wow. Um, which must have been is, which I mean, was super hard yeah. and you're 5,000 miles away and you know ooh, it sounds sad but it got to here we go uh, <laughs> I won't I won't it's, um, you know it got to it got to 4, four o'clock 5 o'clock in the afternoon and I knew that that was it I couldn't speak to anyone at home because mm. everyone was in bed by it that point so difference. when you're when you're away filming it's wonderful because you're occupied by the work but as soon as you finish work and you had no one to talk to because everyone's asleep that was quite hard, you yeah. know, but um, Jen's just the most incredibly supportive, uh, you know, she's a, she's a singer, so she's in that world that I'm in as well. And we've just made it work. It's been, it's been brilliant. Plus, Freddie, you know, he's seven years old and he goes to, he goes to America all the time. I didn't get to America till I was 20. You know, he's, he's seven years li- old, well, living yeah. the dream. He really is, and and it's the norm for him. He just thinks that's what everyone does. Yes, and this is why we're constantly trying to instill gratitude and you know mm. gratefulness into to just remind him that this is not normal. That he gets to fly <laughs> to America all the time. He's a, he's a he's a very lucky boy. Which, but I think um, which does he prefer? Do you think does he prefer the UK or America? He's you know, it's it's wonderful because he embraces both, and mm. that's what I've always wanted. I think you know because I don't have a favourite either. I just I feel the different. L- I feel they they are different, and there's great things that you can take from both. And uh, it goes along with the 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 bitterness and the resentful thing again. If you can train yourself to just be present and enjoy the moment, then that's it's, it'll make for a happier life. I it's think. a lovely outlook. Yeah, lovely outlook. So um, yeah, he's a he's he's a very lucky boy. Just well, going back to, um, I wanted to ask you about uh, you're the worst mm-hmm. because I don't know. Am I correct in saying really that's the first time you've been the star in something that was Absolutely. as big as that? Yeah. What was that? How different was that for you? Uh, that was, uh, was going that against what I said. That was that was quite terrifying. Starting that, I remember being uh, the first day. I had a huge monologue, um, uh, which was quite an acerbic speech about how the the, the world of literature was was falling apart because of. Blah, I blah, remember blah. that episode, the first and, one. Yeah, yeah, and but it was also my first kind of day on an American set, so I'm used to, <laughs> I'm used to. You know, Waterloo Road, for example, Rochdale, sideways rain, <laughs> uh, 350 extras, people people like covered in coats and, and like 
oh, I'm really hungry and there's nothing to eat and the coffee's spilt on the floor and you're going, oh, I don't know what my lines are. This is really, really depressing. Two... Sorry, Rochdale. <laughs> I, yeah, love, love Rochdale, but some crazy memories there. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, to being in the sunshine, blue skies, on a set with cranes with cameras on them and... And everyone walking around with like trays of watermelon, and you're like, "Wow, this is amazing!" And I thought, and I had to do this speech, which was like, blah, 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 in a real angry speech. But all I wanted to do was go, yeah. <laughs> "This is amazing!" <laughs> you know, the, oh, it's, it was really cool. Now, on a side note, I remember one of my favourite memories was uh, at the end of season one of "You're the Worst." The um, the head of FX, a wonderful man called John Langraff, um, invited me and the showrunner Stephen Falk to go on a private jet. Now, I'd never, ever dreamt of doing anything like this before. And we had an event in New York. And so we flew from um, Los Angeles to New York on this private jet with 10 people on the whole, on the whole thing. There was the, um, the boss of FX, John Langraff, uh, two two big presidents of of FX as well. Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh no! Who Get was over. doing uh, um, OJ Simpson thing at okay. the time? Okay, right. Wow. He was there. Uh, the creator of Lost was on there <laughs> on, on a plane. On a plane, slightly worrying. Me Orcs. and Stephen and a wonderful writer comedian called uh, Ben Wexler. All right, and I said to Ben, I sat next to Ben on this on this thing, and I said. I just want to jump up and down. This is so exciting. <laughs> and literally like a kid on Christmas morning, whilst I've got all these, all these kind of big bosses sat there all looking very smart and drinking tea. And I thought, Don't all I want to do is go, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was crazy. And he said, uh, he said the most amazing thing to me. He said, um, uh, I said, how do I deal with these, these, these feelings I just want I want to be I can't be cool in this situation I feel like it's something I'm buzzing I'm literally buzzing and he said just know that you've earned your place at the table but never lose sight of how cool it is oh that's wow. profound that's and I was nice. like I Write love that down. That. that's so amazing beautiful yeah and yeah, I, what a guy. because I hadn't won a competition to do that I've worked my ass off for 20 years gotcha. to, to have an opportunity like that and I was so excited to do it that I did want to, I wanted to share that enthusiasm. And when he said that, I just thought that did go, yeah, this is, this is nice. Yeah. Just enjoy this. What you're, a moment, what you're, a you're amazing at telling stories wherever we like have a beer or whatever. You've always got stories. Is, is that your best celebrity story? <laughs> you must have something for us. Gavin's fishing there. Yeah, I'm totally fishing. Yeah. I want the scoop. Yeah, you must have a few celebrity stories that you can I do tell. actually. Going, going back to the Will Smith thing. All right, uh, Clank. Clank, let's uh, pick it up again. The, I remember, A, he was the coolest guy. There's a reason why he's one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, because he is just a, a ledge. Really nice guy. And um, I had one single. Right, A single is, is a camera shot where there's just one person in it. So you'd have a two shot or a, or a wide or a different kinds of shots. I had one single in the whole movie where it's just me. And the camera's so close to me here um, that I had to direct the line back to Will. But he, Will. 
he didn't have Will. The, yeah, Will. Smith it. Smith it. Smith it. Wow. That's amazing. But um, uh, usually, I know I'd heard stories before that big A-listers don't necessarily hang around for your coverage. They, they a trailer get, somewhere or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and they get the script supervisor to read in or whatever. And the angle was so specific that it was it was very low down and very tight. And so he had to be off camera and he had to basically shout at me to land the ship, the spaceship. And I'm going, I don't want to land here because we'll blow up type thing. And, um, and I thought he'd gone. And so they did action. I'm terrified. This is my first single in like a Hollywood movie. And he said, and said, action. And then I heard Will's voice. And he was like, get down now. All these kind of things. And I thought, wow. this is so cool. And I, I did my lines and they bought it in one take. And I was Go like, on, Chris. And I yes. said, and I said to Will afterwards, I Smithy. said, thank you, Smithy. I said, thank you so much for, for being there. Because he was crouched down underneath the camera giving me the lines and uh, I said thank you so much for doing that and he went it's what we do <laughs> of course it is of course it is the coolest man wow. in the world so cool so you mentioned on the on the aeroplane you, you were very excited about being on in that position yeah how was it first meeting Mr. Will Smith Smith it must have been like- um it was like meeting royalty I remember we were at the read-through in the room and for some reason I put my hands behind my back like I was a waiter. (laughs) Like I was a waiter waiting, you know, for someone to come in and go, um, oh, hello, Mr. Smith, it was lovely to meet you. And we shook hands and then gave me a big hug. No way. We sat down and I was like, this is awesome. And he's big, he's got this presence, he's got this aura about Mm. him. Very, uh, just just fantastic. He comes uh, across as a very down-to-earth yeah. Sort of person when you see him on TV chat shows and things like that, he, he like does. a cool guy and yeah, completely. And I mean, from- he's, he's up there with you know, Cruz and uh, you know the Brad Pitt. He's he's one of the big mega yeah. mega stars. So and ju- ju- that brings me on to another question that oh. I had. He's, he's so good at this, isn't lovely, he? It's, lovely, lovely. It's like he knows the agenda, but he hasn't seen the <laughs> agenda. Pre-read your questions. No. no. Um, uh, so you, you mentioned a few big stars there. Who, who, who do you admire? I mean, you obviously admire everyone, but is there any one particular one that you think, wow, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, uh, I was lucky enough to work with Judy Dench once, and she is just the epitome of class and uh, just just a wonderful person. You know, there's I'm not going to name names, but I've worked with some idiots before. <laughs> I've worked with some people that aren't very nice. I've worked with some people that don't Including work. this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked with a, a lot of people that don't know how lucky they are to be doing it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, ones that have, uh, have, the ones that have lost sight of how cool it is. Been there. And this is, that's a frustrating part of the industry. Working with people who uh, aren't grateful enough. That really gets to me. But when you work with someone who's had a career spanning over like 60 years or whatever... And they're still at the top of their game, reinventing yeah. all the time. You gotta be like hats off to that. Yeah, um, of so anyone that has had a superb career and yet maintained being a good human being, you're my new favourite person. Yeah, that's cool. There's a funny story I've seen in one of your interviews about you working with the part that you had in um, in when you were working with Judy Dench, mm-hmm. which was oh, yeah. Spearholder. Spearholder. Uh, 
Yeah, it's just ruined my game now. Oh, no. <laughs> Did you have a quiz? Mm. Yeah, he's done you a quiz. Okay, yes. A quiz. Let's how, do the quiz. How are we doing for time? I, I, I feel we're, like we're, we're fine. We're all right, yeah. We're fine. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a, just so people can can hear. Yeah, the, I had um, I had three lines in this whole production of All's Well That Ends Well. And uh, yes, that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. And I, I remember talking about have this. You, have you got it? Um, yes, I have. My Lord calls for you. <laughs> but that that was taken from a TV interview, and I was going to ask you, I had to guess which oh, uh, which, which production these came from. Yeah. My Lord calls for you. That's right. I, I yeah, I went on um, Stephen Colbert two two years ago. Um, fantastic! It was such a great day, and yeah, I was speaking to him because he'd also been spear carrier mm. in in a production, and um, and we. Uh, we we were sharing our our uh, memories of having very little dialogue. You have you have you have two options. You either just get through it, or you try and reinvent. <laughs> that was very so funny. Had, that yeah. So I did. I had, I had my Lord calls for you. That was it. Done. Just do that for seven hundred shows. How else or, did you do it? Well, my Lord calls for you. I went. I went. I went everywhere with it. I went everywhere with it to the point that I became a bit of a, a bit of a laughing stock with the with the with the cast because it's like, just say the line, just say the line, mate. My, my Lord calls for you. You must have drove them insane. No, no I, do you know what? It's like uh, whenever you, you've got musicians and they, they're in the pit and yeah. they're doing it week night, you know, in the West End, right, night yeah. after night, two on a Saturday. Yeah, anything different just makes it more yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. and they start like just <laughs> improving, and you're like, no, just just fella on trombone is... three going. Yeah, and you're like, you're like, like yeah, yeah, dude, this is Gershwin. Can you just keep it as it is? They're like <laughs> making no. it all jazz. On that same uh, TV show, you did some crowd surfing towards the end of notice how how is crowd surfing always yeah. wanted you, to do were you, crowd uh, grabbed, grabbed in inappropriately or was it was it okay for you yeah there, there was a couple of people that thought they could get away with a little <laughs> no. bit of, no. there's his wallet there's his wallet pocket billiards yeah. I, oh, yeah. I remember yeah I remember going over and my mic pack fell off halfway through and I didn't know where it had gone and my first thought was oh no mic packs are really expensive I hope <laughs> no one no one in the crowd has stolen it um, and uh, but surfing <laughs> Crowd surfing with Stephen Colbert in New York. Yeah, why yeah, not? That's 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 a pretty cool memory, actually. Thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah, it was an it looked, amazing it looked day. cool and a lot of fun. And yeah. I'd love to have a go. See, I think this is a good segue to go into your game. Let's do that now. Well, mm-hmm. I, I had three clips, and you had to guess what what part of your career or what TV show or what they came from. Uh, yeah. We've already played one, which was um, My Lord Calls for You. But I have two more. If you want go to have on. a guess, what what, what 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 film have you got or TV any quiz show? music. Uh, I haven't, no. You have, actually. Well, I can't use both because it would drown out the uh, the uh, effect. Just as a... Just as a All right, just so just wow, sorry. <laughs> so this game show is called What Does Chris Hear? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. That took me days to think of that. <laughs> so we have to lose the music. These are dead easy, Chris. You'll get this. Here's the first one. Okay. Like, nice try, dummy. I've had five shots. I could fly a plane after five shots. That was from You're the Worst, uh, season two. Wow. Episode two. No, you know the episode as well. I I worked very hard on this show. <laughs> wow. I knew, I knew it. 
It's a very funny scene. That. That's a really funny scene, isn't it? Like five yeah. and drive, you know, it's yeah, like yeah, five, yeah, five and drive. drive. Five shots, yeah. That's it. So what? well done, you got the answer right to that one. There's one more here, which we'll play for you. You are formidable in a way that's it's different and exciting to me. Oh, Modern Family. <gasps> well yes. done. I was a bit worried that you wouldn't get that one. Yes, <laughs> that was Modern Family with the wonderful Sarah Highland. Um, uh, yes, I remember doing that at um, at a university campus in Los Angeles, and like that was uh, that was one of my first episodes. Yeah, two very diverse characters. What? The difference between Jimmy and Professor Professor Arvin Ar- Fenneman. Arvin, Arvin, Arvin Fenneman. He was a, 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 a bumbling kind of mm. professor. Yeah. Are you are you going to miss playing Jimmy? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it when we when we finished when we finished that last day of season five. I mean, you never get five seasons of TV anymore. I mean, they give two, and it's like football managers. Yeah. You know, if they, if, oh, yeah. they, if you lose two games, you're out. Yeah. They don't give anyone a chance anymore. And FX gave us a, gave us a, a wonderful five years. Stephen Falk is an absolute genius, and we had five seasons on the show, uh, with over seventy episodes. And when we finished, I felt like someone had died. Yeah. I genuinely did. Or, or uh, you know, in a lighter way, it felt like I was breaking up with someone that I didn't want to break up with. Mm. Because, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd turned into him. He turned into me, this character. It sounds silly, but that, you, dude, I, I engrossed myself in that whole show and the character. And it's, it's going to be... Uh, well, I'm kind of going through a period now of... of uh, changing because you know i do auditions but there's still elements of him there mm. right because well, you've played, played him so long it must be hard yeah. to that's again, interesting on, again mm. akin to a relationship if you break up from, the, from a relationship but you always went to the same restaurant right when you get in a new relationship you can't go to that restaurant again because it will always remind you of them and so jimmy had mannerisms about him that that became a part of me and so I have to retrain myself not to go to that. You know, Jimmy always did like a classic double take. You know, that was the, that was a thing I always did. Or he would make this kind of face of dismissive face of like like that. You, do, you know, they, they, that became a part of the character. Mm. So I can't now put that into another character yeah, yeah. because that's it's lazy, basically. Yeah. So God, that must be so difficult to. It is, so this is why I'm really waiting for the next big thing to be something completely different. Yeah. Um, Which would just keep me more interested, I think. Well, one of your other projects, which I was watching, was uh, This Way Up, which um, Mm. I have to ask you about that. Was the whole programme scripted, or were you allowed to improvise? Because a lot of the scenes, especially there's a pool scene where you're playing pool, just seemed so real I mean, yeah that's testament to your acting skills but the, the, was any we, were, we were allowed to play with it ashling was was just she's so funny she's so funny she's so clever mm. and wonderful i i just think she's going to go from strength to strength she's, she's just so smart and her and sharon horgan together created i think a tone with that show which just works and it's very honest, was, very honest was, yes, show, isn't it? That was a very tricky day for me. That was my first day on a set after playing Jimmy for five years. Wow. Ah, so when I went on, I said to the director, because um, we did a line run, 
and with um, talking about pace and energy and things like that. Jimmy was very much like this. He's up here, he gets he's angry and everything. Suddenly going into this way up, which was very conversational and you're down here and all this mm. kind of stuff. So I remember doing the line run, <laughs> line run with, um, you know, these incredible actors, a couple of which have just been on Game of Thrones and then you've got Sharon Horgan, Ashling B and... They're reading their lines, and then I'd come in and go, and here is my line! You know, it's just like way over the top. And the, and the director said to me, yeah, just bring the bring the tone down a little bit. It's steady. Just, just steady. You know, and yeah. I said to Ashley at the time, I said, oh my God, it's like being in an episode of Downton Abbey, but I'm Jim Carrey. <laughs> and so, yeah, this is um, to, to, uh, yeah, to continue what you said about this way up. There was... Uh, a tone to that show which was very, very clever, very, very smart. And um, I, I binged on it yesterday to catch up and uh, it's a very honest show which tackles kind of mental health and it goes from being very, very happy mm. to quite dark in, in some in some spots. But As with life. Yeah, yeah, but beautiful. I loved it. Enjoyed that. You, um, you mentioned Jim Carrey there and then I, what I was going to ask you about, you were talking about being in character and you kind of become that character for the period and then you have to sort of Put it to bed. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the Jim and Andy documentary? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it yeah, yet. Yeah, it's I wonder what you thought about that, that he's so engrossed that he actually yeah. becomes a problem. I, Do you know yes. about this, Andy? Sorry. No, yeah, I've so not seen that. No, sorry. It's, it's, it's like he's playing Andy Kaufman, who was a very uh, eccentric character anyway. But um, Jim Carrey decided to, be, uh, to go full method acting. And, you know, some people didn't work for some people. Uh, on set because it can be a bit too much but then quite intense isn't quite it? intense I mean I have a I'm kind of sat on the fence when it comes to um, method acting because I just it, it depends what what I've lear- learned in the last five years is to respect everyone's process because people have different mm. processes when you're working you know I, I like to keep moving so that I have the energies that I can go straight in other people that I've worked with can literally be looking at their phone, looking at their phone, action, <laughs> you know, and that's really clever. So I just think your your process is super important as long as you don't affect other people's mm. process in whilst you're doing that. And um, yeah, so it's uh, but it's a, it's an incredible. Incredible documentary. I mean, he's a they, they, the studio banned it. It's only just come to light. They've allowed it to thingy, but the studio banned it because they didn't want. I think they were invested in Jim Carrey, and they didn't want Jim Carrey's character or public persona to be mm. to be tainted by this documentary that had been made about how he'd acted during the filming of this this portrayal of uh, Andy. It's Kaufman. very interesting. It's really... I'm, I mean, I'm down to watch it, and um, Sam. Healy said to me, "You need to watch this yeah. thing." Also, it's an insight into what um, what it's like behind the scenes, because mm. um, you know when you see a finished product or something. Um, I mean, you take. Well, I always laugh at it. How you know Pokemon, for example, we would be on a scene for two days, the same scene, and then I watched it in the cinema. And it was over in 10 seconds. Crazy. that I d- mad, It baffles it? me the way TV and films do that. They'll spend four or five days for two seconds of, of footage. Yeah. Mad. yeah. I remember uh, on After Earth, they um, sent me from Philadelphia to New York to go and have a full body cast made of myself 
um, with uh, you know a face face cast. I'll send you a picture actually. It's it's incredibly kind of um, uh, suffocating being under a, a face, and then they painted it. And they made a full body cast because I was filming You're the Worst at the same time. I wasn't available for for reshoots on After Earth, so they um, uh, they got this body cast done, and they they needed a scene where I was dead in the background, and it's not me. It's, no a, it's a rubber doll, body but double? with my with my face. Where is that doll? Do you know where that doll is? is it no, I mean <laughs> Sasha Dewan, who's a great friend of mine, who was playing the. The captain of the, the no, sorry, the navigator of the spaceship. Um, uh, he he took loads of pictures of me of him with the dog. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't there, but yeah, it was uncanny. Shall, shall we move on to a bit of music? Well, yeah, I, I was just about to do that. Yeah, okay. so that's a good idea. So we've asked you, Chris, just to pick three songs which uh, mm-hmm. mean something to your songs you like, or four so, songs. Yeah, was it four? Yeah. Yeah, four yeah. songs, sorry. So um, tell us about your first choice. Why have you picked this song? And um... I'm a big fan of intros. Okay. You know, intros that emote. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was, it was a bit of an obvious one, but say, um, say uh, blame it on the boogie, right? As soon as you hear the dung, 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 dung. As soon as you hear that, you're like, you go... And this... This is a walk into the dance floor dance. This is song. a walk into the dance floor dance. Uh, it's also... I'm so uh, I'm so glad the clip I've got is the middle of the song. <laughs> <laughs> because, of cop- because of copyright reasons, I can only play 17 seconds, so I'll pick, pick the middle. <laughs> well, that no, that's that's fine, because people will know it anyway. Uh, this is one of my favourites. It, it was um, uh, reminds me of my wedding day, and it's one of mine and my wife's favourite songs. It's uh, Earth, Wind & Fire, September. It is a fantastic song. It's a song which I'm a DJ and I play that all the time. And as you said, yeah. the intro, that like, just everyone's hands in the air. And with the trumpet, it's just like, come on. Your song list is incredibly different. There's lots of different artists and different kind of genres. Your last one, which we'll come to at the end, is completely different. But your second choice? Yeah. Now, all of these songs are remind me of a time and uh, a mood yep. and this is possibly my favorite song of all time and this Ooh, well this up. this version of it is i was very lucky to meet this artist once who was again going back to what i said not only incredibly talented but what a lovely guy humble so humble so talented brilliant follow his success and uh this also highlights just how precious life is and to enjoy every moment because what a difference a day makes. What a difference a day makes. It's such a cool version. Yeah. Very Christmas. You got a glass of red wine and you just... In fact, this cigar. I think this album came out just before Christmas, his first album. Mm, This was track one of that album, I think. Yeah. And I hammered it at the time. It's a belter. Every tune is really, really good. Really good. That's uh, Jamie Cullum, What a Difference a Day Makes. Lovely song. Which is an old uh, Cole Porter song, if I'm not mistaken. Is it? Yeah. 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 Beautiful. 
Uh, song number three. Song number three. Now, uh, John Mayer is amongst our friendship group probably the artist the go-to artist uh when he brought out room for squares which coincidentally is my favorite album of all time um room for squares is it was seminal because it was during the biggest kind of change in my life going from school to college to drama school to becoming an actor it was always there uh every time we went on holiday we would listen to different um different tracks on the album and this is my favorite on that album this is bodies of wonderland i can't believe you you selected that bit yeah that was the wrong tune then never let your head hit the bed without my head behind it yeah, what a tune. Jo- John Mayer is, is some, like someone I'm not very familiar with, but that's a lovely song. So we, Chris and I have had many drunk nights in kitchens singing that song yeah. and chatting about what it would be like to John to meet John Mayer. Okay. Uh-huh. Can, we, can we have the story? Oh, yes. You've got to give us the story. Absolutely. Can so I, from my point of view, can I, I start the story? I'm yeah. sat in the, on the couch on a Wednesday night <laughs> and uh, my phone goes and I'm watching... Some shit on telly as like I normally do. Wow! Ping. Oh, I got a text from Chris. WhatsApp for Chris. Opens it. It's a picture of what? <laughs> Easy. It's a picture of me on a sofa with Matt Healy from the 1975, Ed Sheeran, and John Mayer. <laughs> Wednesday night. Yeah. Wednesday night. I'm in my pajamas. So I was an elder. Yeah, just a little bit of backstory. So I'm great friends with all the boys in the 1975. I've known them for many years as uh, Matty's mum, Denise, is one of our best friends when I was on Walsley Road with her. Um, we all became great friends. And um, I met up with Matt, uh, Matty and the boys when we were in Los Angeles during season three of You're the Worst at the time. They were, they were there writing their album. Which would have been... Which would have been the... Beautiful. First... No, it would have been the second album. I, look, I like it when you sleep. Yeah. Yep. So they were they were writing that uh, outside of in, in California. And he called up and he said, um, do you want to come to a concert tonight? I was like, yeah, of course. Who is it? Ed Sheeran. Brilliant. Where? Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> uh, double yes. And, um, you know, the the boys were big. They're nowhere near as big as they are now, but they were, they were pretty big. And they said, uh, we're going to have to go uh, to the VIP, to like backstage bit. I was like, okay, we're not just going, going to this to gig. Have to go. We're going to have to go. Four right, right. Okay. Right. Oh, do you want to? Do you want to meet Ed? Yes. <laughs> uh, knock on the door. I go in. Uh, Ed, super guy. He said, "Do you guys want a drink or anything?" And you know, sitting around, we're just chatting, and uh, you know, I'm sat on this chair in the corner, going, "This is bonkers." Anyway, knock on the door, and the weekend come in. <laughs> so the weekend are there. They're having chat, um, and. Um, uh, just just talking to Ed about stuff. Knock on the door again. John Mayer. Wow. Hey, John, how's it going? Um, Which is mad because we've had so many chats about what we would what it would be like to meet John yeah, Mayer. Yeah, to meet him. And yeah. I met him and he was just super cool. His voice is down here and he's just really sexy. <laughs> like, amazing. And um, so Matty started talking to John Mayer on the sofa and... Um, and Ed was in the corner on his phone and there was a little space in between Ed and Matty. Having it. And I was like, Han, who's the guitarist for 1975, said, Han, you've got to take this, mate. You have to take this. I gave him my phone. And 
he just surreptitiously lifted up my camera, <laughs> took one shot, and I looked at camera as if to say, how on earth did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> how on earth am I here? This is bonkers. And that photo is now, it's on my um, Twitter page, but we've also had it blown up in the house as well because it's just awesome. super. What a, what is, a, is there a, um, I don't know whether I can ask you this, but I will, and if you, if you can't talk about it, then that's fine, but is there a Justin Bieber end to that story? Or is that a oh, different no, no. story? Oh, um, no, Actually, after that, after that go, party, yeah. after, that, uh, after that thing, Ed Sheeran said, do you want to come to um, a launch party for someone's album? Turned out it was Tori Kelly, who's a phenomenal singer, and went in there with all the guys that were in the room from before as well, you know. Now me and May are like bezos. And, um, Amazing. and go in there and, uh, yeah, Bieber's there with all his uh, security guard and everything. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a surreal night. And I ended up having breakfast with Ross and Han from the 1975 in a, uh, a Denny's little diner just around the corner reflecting on what was the most surreal of evenings. What know? incredible life. Wow, brilliant. Absolutely really cool. amazing really, story, isn't it? Really cool. Fantastic. Well, we have one more song, which I think this song is completely different from the others. I don't it think is. You've heard this one. I haven't. I purposely not. Picking straw hats. Nice, yeah. Nice pair I think of boots. Um, country music is uh, very close to my heart because it's about storytelling. It's the best storytelling in the world, country music. And, you know, sometimes it's just about driving around dirt tracks with beers. But um, <laughs> it's, it's brilliant about love and history and, and friendships and families and everything. And this is um, mine and my wife's favourite song. This is Chris Young, You. Man, I thought I knew what love was, but I didn't have a clue. I like it. I never found this is, I can see, I, I can like tell I why Chris likes this song. Yeah, yeah. That, totally you song. Man. Try not to smile when you're listening. There's to that craze at the minute, isn't there, where there's people doing that video online. I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube. It's like a country song, but a like a rap version country song. Okay. People are doing a dance to it. Not if you've seen that yet. No. No. Well, I'll, I'll send Mixed you a link. Genres. Yeah, I'll send you a link to that. That was uh, Chris Young and uh, a tune called "You." Very nice. Mm. Now I remember you went through that obsessive phase of the. What, the, the greatest American hero song. Oh, yeah. yeah. You were massively I, I love, into that. I love songs that just make me go, yay, yeah, every time they're song. on. That's yeah, a very happy... I mean, country happy. music, as you said, you can't help but smile and, and kind of tap your it foot. It is. Go you know, I, I kind of missed the boat when it came to, the, you know, the Radiohead fans and... The, 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 the grunge yeah, sort just of, kind of miserableness, also, Nirvana. Do you remember there was a phase where every song sounded like a guy stuck down a well? Yes. <laughs> that voice machine you, thing. You mean the, the um, Mr. Brightside thing? No, no, no. Like no, a, like, a f filter on the voice. I mean, like the, the indie, not indie music. It's kind of folky type music. Like Bon Iver is a bit like. Uh, I like Bon Iver. Actually. Yeah, really, really good. That they Or Bon Iver, I don't know how you pronounce it. <laughs> I think but it's Bon Iver. Bon Iver sounds cooler. Much cooler. Um, we, yeah, just kind of very echoey. Yeah. The voice yeah. is very echoey. It's like they, someone said once it sounded like a... A man down a well. <laughs> we, we do have one more question, which uh, we've got a pre-recorded question from a very special person who wanted to ask you something. Okay. A young man called uh, Freddie Gear. Oh, come on. Now, don't be worried about this question, but uh, it's an interesting question, and I can't wait to see your answer. Are you ready? Do you always wear headphones? 
Do you always wear headphones? <laughs> it's it's deep. Wow, it's, it is um, deep. Yeah, and you're wearing headphones now, so he's got a point. He has. He's got a very valid point there, and he sounds he sounds so in, unenthusiastic on that. Do you wear headphones? Like it's the only thing you, you can think of. Do you always wear headphones? Do you always wear headphones? That is cute. Um, no, that wasn't Freddy. his first question, was it? <laughs> no, his first question was, "Can I help you?" Oh, see. He's a, he's a very polite little boy. Definitely a chip we're doing off the some, old box. We're doing something, right? Yeah, so yeah, you, you walk around basically wearing headphones constantly and, and he's a bit concerned about That's it. it. Yeah, That's okay. it. He's just drowning out the noise of family. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I wanted to ask you before we, we let you go, um, and it's been, I've loved this, this has been amazing. Oh, great. Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm massively into box sets. Mm-hmm. And Andy does a bit of box setting, and I'm sure you do. Love a box set. So for people listening, yeah. what would your recommendation be of box sets that they simply have to watch? They have to watch. Um, there's there's one that's very fresh in my brain because I'm literally just watching it. It's the best written show I've ever seen. It It's um, brilliantly acted. Uh, there's five seasons of it. It's called The Affair. Ah, I'm mm. writing that down. Not I'm, heard of that. It's, um, it's just phenomenal. It's a phenomenal look into relationships, uh, not only in a couple, but the relationships that people have with their families. Oh, that's a it's Reese Witherspoon in that. No, no, no. no. It's, um, uh, it's Ruth Wilson, uh, Dominic West. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it ran for five seasons and finished just just this year. Okay, I'll look out for that. So we finished Ozark last night. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Have you seen good? it? No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I binged on that and did it in like three days. I, I didn't know yeah. you watched it. It's amazing. amazing. What a guy! What a character! I'm I can't really, wait for the next series. I'm looking forward to finding that show where you get to the last two minutes and you haven't got time to watch another one, but you do. Yes. Yeah. That's that. Uh, I've only had that on. Um, 24. I had that with Big Little Lies. Just oh, really? oh that was oh. good. That was really good. They shouldn't have done second series, but anyway. Oh, well, yeah, I haven't watched the second series. I'm I'm sort of not too keen. But 24, I've watched every episode twice, dun, and dun, I dun, would dun, watch it again. Yeah. I'd start series two though. I wouldn't go for series one. Thought that was a bit. They haven't figured it out yet. No, but yeah. then series two, it just kicks off from there. Season, oh, that was excellent. And. Um, uh, I mean, there's uh, what was the what was the other one we were watching recently? Um, I mean, there's just so much. There's loads. This of is the, the thing. I yeah. mean, and there's gonna be even more, which mm. is great, hopefully for me, acting what, wise. But it's um, the one where um, recently, and Gemma, Gemma gets really annoyed um, when it ends, and she has to wait for another series. Yeah. Which kind of limits our options because she really will only sign up to ones that have finished. There you go. This is why you're the worst. Is is brilliant. And you know, they, they, um, there's another one, Dead to Me. Don't you seen Dead to excellent. Me? Excellent. Really good. That's another one you have to watch the whole oh, one. It's just heard of that one. What's the one where they they go on a plane and lose five years? We watched that one. The oh other week. yes, I quite enjoyed that. But yeah. it, then it didn't really conclude oh. at all. I remember watching a show once the Island? called. Um, no. Um, Watch the because I, I didn't understand the world of uh, the world of um, in America. If something isn't working, they cancel it. In England, this is how it used to be. If it wasn't working, they'd fix it, right. but make another one. Yeah. In America, they they don't. So they only made, fools and horses nearly didn't get a second series. Yeah. The yeah. Office. Yeah. Very famous. Only one. fools and horses. The writer 
couldn't stand um, David Jason, just thought he was the wrong person for the, for the part. That's right, that's and true. Eventually, what would John Sullivan thought? Yeah, that? yeah John Sullivan. And eventually, he thought they gave him a chance. Did a few rehearsals. Open all all hours yeah. and didn't think that he could play like a macho sort there of guy. And that because was he was playing yeah. Granville or whatever. Yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah, and and it was the oh, what's the guy Jimmy Thinger, whoever whoever was maybe the writer not the writer but the um the director or whatever i'm not sure yeah. but he 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 insisted on Jay, uh, jason and the rest of sicily obviously the um i remember a a great show on fox called flash forward uh with joseph fines as the lead role and it was the basic premise was that he could everyone could see five seconds into the future Oh, and they can make split decisions based on the visions Ooh. that they saw. Got totally hooked, watched 12 episodes, but it didn't make the ratings. Cut. Oh, oh, devastated. But they ended the first season on such an incredible cliffhanger that I looked for it everywhere. That's unbelievable. And they just got rid of it. So that was a shame. Let's so bring back Flash Forward. Where the you Black Mirror is a big one for you, isn't it? I love that. I haven't seen it yet. You, have you watched that yet? No, nope, not seen no. that, no. Okay. Yeah. Well, very listen, good. thank you very much. Thank you for having me. We've loved it. I just want to do some... Uh, Go on then. Bit of, bit of music. Yes, thank you for the music, and You like uh, a bit of music, don't you? I just want to tell everyone like where you can get us. So we na- we're now totally organised. We've got everything, haven't we? We've got Twitter, You're totally Instagram, organized. Facebook. Well, I've had a little go. So Twitter, this is the one, number one. Jesus. Thanks. <laughs> You're ruining it. No, this is the one pod and it's a number one instead of the, the word one. So what's that for? Instagram? Instagram. No, that was for Twitter. This is the one pod. With the number one instead of one. Okay. Instagram, awesome. this is the one podcast. Facebook, this is the one podcast. And you can, well, if you're listening to it, I don't need to tell you where you can listen to it. But Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Yes, and shortly tune in, which I did yesterday. Awesome. But um, no, thanks very much for for coming, mate. Really, thank really enjoyed you. Chris Gear, thank you for sir. having me. Pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Yay. And uh, thanks for listening. And um, we have some exciting stuff in the pipeline. So stay tuned. 